0: Pastor of New Wine Ministries, great to be with you on this Tuesday. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. You know, I was thinking this morning about the early bird that catches the worm. <clears throat> you know what that actually means is simply people that rise early to get things done. They normally get the good, the best part of the day, if you will. So I was hoping that uh, by sharing this passage of scripture with you today, that it would be somewhat of a treasure for your heart. And so let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And excuse me, I would describe this particular passage of scripture as um, an equipping for life. Uh, Regardless of what season of life one may be in, I believe that this is a word of God. It's a word of knowledge. But it absolutely applies to the end of time. It applies to the second coming of Jesus Christ. It applies to the understanding of the great tribulation. In context, First Thessalonians chapter 5 are instructions. I mean that chapter is an instruction for all Christians living on planet earth at the end of time. And we've already concluded that time as we know it is wrapping up. And the time of the ages of man, six millennial days, 6,000 years is wrapping up. And as we come to the end of the ages, the consummation of the ages we have this biblical wisdom given to us that was given to the saints of God 2,000 years ago when it was nearing the end of the world as they knew it. And there's no doubt while Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica that the saints there were facing persecution, they were facing trouble, and they were facing the end of the world, the Judeo world that they grew up in the world where temple worship was at the center of their lives. The end of the Roman occupation, the end of all these different ways of life that they had ever known, because if you get behind the scenes and realize that it was the Jewish people living even in Thessalonica and the Christians living in Thessalonica, there was a, an understanding that everything in Jerusalem was about to come to an end which would really change the world, and that the Jewish people would no longer have a home to return to. You know, after 70 AD, the Jews weren't just going to go, hey, let's go back to Jerusalem for a picnic. No, there was no home for the Jewish people for over 1,900 years. So what Paul was writing to the Church at Thessalonica here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, or in 5, was an instruction on how to live at that time and beyond. So whether you live in a country um, that is going through upheaval like Venezuela, maybe you were in the Middle East and you were going through the Arab Spring, uh, the toppling of governments, the execution of, you know, kings and and princes, et cetera, et cetera, whether you live in a country that – you know, just went into economic disaster and it fell from a high place, or whether you live in America today and you're about to undergo a great collapse, uh, regardless, the message is to Christians everywhere, and here's what it says. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. So here Paul's talking about times and seasons. He said in verse 2, yourselves know perfectly, I mean, they understood this well, they were taught well, that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord, a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you. All right, so here Paul gives the outline of the day of the Lord. It will come like a thief in the night upon an unsuspecting world, an unsuspecting nation. He's talking about the times and seasons of that day of the Lord. And he he warns that it'll be a time of people are crying for peace and safety or declaring peace and safety. But then he shifts into this verse four. But you, brethren, but you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So. In the day of the Lord, and there have been many days of the Lord, by the way, you go back to the beginning of scripture and you find the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord that is coming upon the world today is going to come like a thief in the night to an unsuspecting world. But that day, he says, should not overtake you as a thief because you are not in darkness. In other words, those of you who are awakened, those of you whose minds have had the veil taken away from it, and you're seeing clearly by the Holy Spirit, and you're understanding by the Holy Spirit, you understand when you look through the biblical lens at the signs of the times, you can actually see that the things that are going on in the world are an evident token of the day of the Lord that is coming upon our generation. So what Paul is saying to a sleepy, unsuspecting world. Now, uh, something that may shock you, something that may surprise you, is that it's real that the world, the whole world, is lying in darkness. More than you know, you may think that you've been fully instructed in the gospel, and you would think that the whole world would be knowing this, and that this would be so obvious to the world. But it's not the truth. The truth of the matter is the whole world lieth Under the wicked one. That's written in 1 John. The whole world is deceived, according to Revelation. The devil that deceived the whole world. What light and truth you have today as a Christian is more valuable than anything you can imagine. And if you think that the world today has wisdom and understanding about the things of God or what time it is, or they should understand the way that you do, you're wrong. Your wisdom is so amazing, the scriptural, biblical, Holy Spirit wisdom that God has granted you, that God has pulled you out of darkness, and that God has called you into light, and that God has given light to your mind, for his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, is absolutely, extraordinarily awesome that you and I have been granted this light and understanding, but the world isn't so when this darkness, this day of the Lord comes on the earth to a darkened world, it will not be so for you and I. That darkness, is, is we are not in darkness that that day should overtake us as a thief. Verse 5, you are all the children of light and the children of the day. Praise the Lord. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Listen to these very powerful words for you. We are all the children of light. Now, when he says all, he's talking about those who have the light. And we know that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And we are the children of that light. And because we're the children of that light, we are known as the children of the day. And we are not of the night. We are not of darkness. Praise the Lord. So imagine that the whole world is of the darkness. They are of the night. Children of darkness. We once were too. But that darkness and that blinding veil was taken away from us when the light of the glorious gospel shined in our hearts. That's what Paul said in Corinthians. The light of the glorious gospel shined in our hearts, and we were illuminated. Now, we are the children of the day. We are the children of the light. We are the children of light. We are not of the darkness. Therefore, this day should not overtake us. We should not be surprised by what is about to happen on this earth in every country around the world in the ultimate day of the Lord. As I said, you can go back to scripture, you'll find many times in the history and the economy of God that the day of the Lord came upon Israel, the day of the Lord came upon Jerusalem in seventy AD, and you can find it. But there is an ultimate day of the Lord, and to that end is where we prepare because we believe we are living at the end of 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 the ages the consummation of the ages, everything is wrapping up. In fact, we know this by the Spirit and give our life to that understanding. So in verse six, therefore, because we're not children of darkness or the night, but because we are the children of light and we are children of the day, therefore, let us not sleep as do others. In other words, right now, In the history of all things, you right now who are listening, don't go to sleep. Do not to sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The rest of the world, listen to me, the rest of the world will not be watching and they are not sober. They may have other concerns about other things. They may be concerned about this, that, and the other thing. They may be looking at signs but not even know what they're looking at and thinking that, well, that's not healthy for my portfolio, right? You are to be watching and to be sober. The rest of the world is not. The rest of the world has been veiled by darkness. The rest of the world is in the night. And watch what it says here in verse 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. The world is sleeping, although it's very animated. Understand this. Although the world is very animated, and it's busy, and it's mobile, and it's moving, it's sleeping. It's sleeping in the dark. It's sleeping in the night. The world doesn't know. They are blinded, and they are darkened through deception. And if you don't understand this, you're going to continue to wonder why the world doesn't get it. They can't get it until they come to the light. Until they come to the true light of the world, will they ever know the truth and will know light. There is a false light. Lucifer is a false light bearer. Understand, there is a false light. There are people that call themselves Christians. There are people that call themselves Buddhists. There are people that call themselves Muslims and Jews, all kinds of religious people. There are philosophers that believe that they have light. And I reference Christians because there are those who are Christian in name only, but by their actions, by the things they do, the things they promote, they are obviously in the darkness. So those who are truly in the light who are following the light, are awake. They are not of the night. They are not of the darkness. <clears throat> but they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. And drunkenness doesn't here necessarily mean I'm drinking alcohol and getting drunk. They're drunk with the mixture of the wine and the water. They're drunk under the spell. They're mad upon their idols they're drunk in their mind. They they do not want to see the truth. They do not want to see the light. You know, if you've ever been drunk, the last thing you want to do is sit down and have a Bible study. Okay? That's when you start acting up and acting out. So drunkenness is also a state of mind. mind of the nations of the earth right now. They are drunk. They are asleep. They are in the night. Understand this. Because if you don't understand this, you won't really value the light that you have. You won't really be sober in watching. You'll be looking at the world thinking that they're in control of things. Now, you have drunken, sleepwalking, deceived nations running things on planet Earth. And the blind lead the blind into a ditch. The blind lead the blind into the ditch. We're not following blind leaders who are of the night, who are of the darkness, who are sleeping, who are drunk, following the utopian dreams of a powerful enemy and adversary called the devil. The deception of the devil is all over the world. It is true. But, verse 8 says, but let us who are of the day Be sober, doing what? Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. It's interesting, when Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, he said that the breastplate of righteousness, right? Here he says that we who are of the day and are being sober, we are putting on the breastplate, the protective plate, of faith and love. If you really want to be equipped to handle the days that are coming on this earth, your breastplate will be of righteousness, but it is also a breastplate of faith and love. Faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I thought we were already saved. If we already saved, why well, hope for it? The hope of salvation to go through the day of the Lord without failing. The hope of salvation that he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, this helmet of the hope of salvation for God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Our appointment is not unto wrath. That's not God's intention for us. Remember the four different wraths that we talked about last week, the wrath of man, the wrath of the lamb, the wrath of the dragon, and the wrath of God. Well, the dragon's wrath is something we have to endure. The dragon's wrath is something we have to go through. Now, the wrath of God, we who are overcomers, who have the hope of salvation and are saved because we've endured to the end of the great tribulation. We will never know the wrath of God. Can someone say hallelujah? We will never know the wrath of God. We will walk through the wrath of the dragon. We know the wrath of man all around us and the wrath of the lamb. We should not be subject to that at all. So we should be awake. We should be watching we should have faith and love and hope. And remember, in 1 Corinthians 13, these three remain for the Christian, faith, hope, and love. And Paul uses that here, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet, the hope, faith, hope, faith, hope, and love. There they are, the three in combination again. <clears throat> for God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus. So in other words, As you and I are walking into this moment, we're not darkened to it. We're not sleeping. We're not drunk. We're not giddy about the days. We understand what's coming. It's the day of the Lord. It's going to be a very severe time. But we're aware of it. Therefore, we will not be subject to what is coming upon this earth in the day of the Lord. And there's many different wraths that are actually expressed in the day of the Lord. That's a great teaching one time. So he goes on to say, of, of Jesus Christ in verse 10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we live or die during this time, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. All right, so if you want to be successful, in this journey and you want to win your race as a christian which is not for a worldly crown it is for a spiritual crown it is for the crown of life it is an eternal crown of glory if you want to win your race understand what time it is know that the world is in darkness and if you want to go in that darkness if god calls you and he has he sent everybody into the world and try to bring people out of darkness and bring them into the light the same way that you were brought out, you should do that with all Godspeed because the day is closing quickly. The day of salvation that opened 2,000 years ago is closing swiftly. There will come a time when people will not be able to enter in. As in the days of Noah, the door will shut and they will stand outside and begin to knock. They were like the foolish virgins who went to buy oil because they weren't prepared. They came back and began to knock on the door and the door was shut. They were turned away. The opportune season for salvation, for people to come out of the darkness, out of their drunkenness, out of their stupor, out of their sleepiness, out of their night life. Is it's closing quickly. So if God sends you and you're able to draw one out and do it with all God's speed and might and stop worrying about what they think, you may get a little bit of anger because people don't like to be disturbed when they're drunk or when they're uh, sleeping and they're in the darkness. Um, people don't like to be woken up and agitated. It, it's an agitation. So expect a little blowback, especially the darker it's getting and the more sleepy the nations are, totally unprepared for what's coming. Verse 12. Oh, wait a second. I wanted to just wake on this. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you also do. So continue to walk in faith. Continue to walk in hope for future hope. Continue to walk in love. And then comfort one another in the body of Christ, in the ecclesia to which you belong. Stop comforting the world that has not yet come into the light. We should be shouting so loud to this world. We do everything in our strength to shout to the sin-sick world to try to tell it the truth about the doom that's coming upon it. And so comfort one another because you see this day approaching. And then edify one another. In other words, encourage one another, inspire one another daily. As a matter of fact, uh, I had a, a friend of mine, we're having a nice conversation uh, lately, and we, we get through this fun stuff here, and I asked him a question because uh, I like to ask questions, and I said, um, all right, <clears throat> I said, question, how good is God? Okay, so I just ask a question. His response was this, if we add up every good thing mankind has done throughout all of history and compared it to God's goodness, which it is hard for me to even think that way, man's collective goodness wouldn't even begin to penetrate the radiance of God's goodness. Isn't that a great answer? And I I said, that's an A plus answer. God's goodness. That is something for God's children at this time who are walking in faith, hope and love to encourage one another with that knowledge. Let people know just how good God is. His response came back in about 10 seconds. That's how quick. See, that's where people that are awake, people that are sober, people that are walking in the light, they just they're just walking in it, man. It's just it's just flowing. Now, Paul went on with some further instructions. You're going to have to forgive me. I forgot to bring water on the table, so I'm going to excuse myself for one minute and go grab some water. All right. So there you have it. I had to do that because we're on our 18th day of our cleanse today. We've had no food. For 18 days, which has been pretty cool—not a fast, or wouldn't say anything—but um, <clears throat> a cleanse, and I'm loving it. So, just just three and a half days left, and then we'll get back to normal. But, anyways, uh, in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 12, First Thessalonians 5:12, and we beseech you, brethren. Okay, these are instructions for the end times. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So one of the instructions, obviously, uh, to those who are awake, you maintain the attitudes and the spiritual conduct of faith, hope, and love. Keep walking in faith for a supernatural move of God. Walk in faith that God moves mountains. Walk in faith. Believe with all of your heart. Be fully persuaded. Don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the cunning slight of men. Just keep walking in the spirit of faith, knowing that God has a future reward for you, knowing that God is good right now, knowing that God is a healer, knowing that God will help you break every curse, all bondage, everything against your life, contrary to the call of God on your life, can be broken. Keep walking in a present faith, an active faith, an operative faith, Keep walking in faith, faith, faith. Every trial is designed to get your faith strong because in the last days, your greatest commodity is going to be faith. According to Peter's writings, uh, it'll be more valuable than gold, though, if you tried in the fire, right? Then he said, walk in uh, hope, walk in hope, which is a confident expectation, a joyful, cheerful. Confident expectation. I'm so joyful and cheerful <laughs> about this confident expectation that this cleanses over in four days. I can't wait. Well, that's how we have to be about spiritual things. Can't wait. This is going to pass. This tribulation period will end. This time of suffering and persecution and global upheaval, it will come to an end. But I'm here, and I've got to go through it. And I have to have hope to go through it. And my faith is coupled with hope. And I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to believe God. And I'm going to endure to the end, and I'm not giving up. I'm not looking back. I'm not going back. And what am I going to do? I'm going to couple faith and hope with love. Because if I have faith to move mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. So love is the, the activator. It's the engine. It's the, as my friend used to say, uh, it is the, uh, the volition, the volition of our lives. Faith, hope, and love. These are your spiritual weapons In these final moments of time, this is what it's going to take to endure, to get through it. Go to the end. Don't quit. Don't stop now. Go to the end. Finish the race. Finish the race with faith, with hope. You'll be amazed how faith and hope can inspire you and the love of God that's compelling you to do it. I mean, this is awesome. And so not only are we going to comfort one another and edify one another, one of the best ways to edify yourself It's to edify someone else. You edify yourself by praying in the spirit. Uh, I mean, that's in Jude. You know, building yourselves up in your most most holy faith, praying in the spirit. So you can do that. But edify one another, it says here. So by edifying others, you're going to edify yourself. There's no doubt about that. By comforting others, you yourself will be comforted. And those of you who have been comforted will be in a better place to comfort others. There's no doubt about that either. So he's saying... Now that this is body ministry, okay, edifying, comforting, now Paul comes up in verse 12 with, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. That should be the apostle in your life, the prophet in your life, the bishop in your life, the pastor in your life, whoever it is that is laboring in the word and doctrine. Whoever is inspiring you, whoever is teaching you, whoever is admonishing you, what he's saying to the body of Christ, he's saying to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And that word over doesn't mean to lord it over God's flock. Over means that they have been commissioned by Christ to watch after your soul and ultimately give an account for your soul. So they... You know, the ministers of God that are ministering the word of God, because that's really what we're all about ministering, is the word of God, the will of God, the spirit of God. Uh, He who does miracles among you, does he do it by the flesh or by the spirit, right? So there's a ministry that goes on, and verse 13 says, and to esteem them very highly in love for their works' sake. So I know this is not popular today. I know a lot of people have been beat up and abused by ministries and ministers and so on and so forth, but to those of you who are being ministered to by the ministers of God, they've been sent to your life, they admonish you, they feed you, they watch over you, um, they, they, all these things, It Paul just simply said, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And I, I, I agree with that. When my pastor was in my life. I did exactly that, and I counted my pastor as one of the most valuable people in my life, and it was true. He was, if not the most valuable person in my life, and I believe he was at that time uh, of my life because he was ministering the Word of God to me, and I highly esteemed my pastor. I gave him some some uh, restless nights, I'm sure, him pastoring me, bringing me up. Of the darkness, but uh, I did esteem them very highly. You should do the same, whoever your pastors are. And then it goes on to say, and be at peace among yourselves. One of the greatest strengths to the ecclesias of God, the bodies of Christ, wherever they're locally assembled, is to have peace among themselves. Now, if you're comforting one another, if you are edifying one another, inspiring one another. and then you're having peace among yourselves, your ecclesia is going to prosper like crazy. Have you ever noticed when the body of Christ begins to resonate and there comes a harmony? Have you ever noticed when people are just kind of loving each other and uh, they're talking to one another and they're sharing themselves with everybody in the group? I'm not talking about cliques. You know, cliques in the church, that never works. But I'm talking about people that are just caring about everybody. Everybody's caring about everybody everybody's at peace with everybody there's not a group over here going yeah we're at peace with ourselves but we don't like what's going on over no he's not talking about that when you see an ecclesia at peace with itself in all the members and they're all comforting and encouraging and edifying and inspiring one another they have a healthy respect for the ministers that are in their lives and are over them in the lord and ministering the word of god and laboring in the doctrine of christ And it's all right. It's all in a very healthy, right alignment with the purposes of God. That's going to be a very powerful church. That's a very powerful church, not just a church that, you know, is feeding the hungry man on the corner or giving food out on the corner. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, You know, churches that are in the first place, spiritually fit, can do all those other works as well. But you know, if, you're, if it's just about, well, our church has all these programs, we send out missionaries, we feed people on the corner, but we have internal strife, we really don't respect the pastor, uh, we could take him for granted, take him or leave him, if he goes, we'll get another one. Um, that kind of thing, that's not it. I'm telling you, if you have the foundation in your ecclesia, and I trust that you all go to a church and you have an ecclesia, and that this is what your church is laboring to achieve, it's very powerful. It's, almost, it's undefeatable is what it is and that's the kind of atmosphere you want to be in in the last days in the time of insanity because eventually the day of the lord's going to come upon all these drunken sleeping in the night people and they're going to wake up and freak out and i hate to use that term but they're just going to absolutely flip out because they're going to be awakened to a nightmare of reality of their eternal dissolution i mean think about the disillusionment that is on or the illusion that's on people's mind, the delusion. And they're going to awaken to eternal damnation. Are you kidding me? It's going to get really weird that the things that are coming on this earth, men's hearts are going to fail for fear of what they see coming, but not you. So he goes on to say in verse 14, now we exhort you. This is part of ecclesia ministry, okay? This is body ministry. This is what it should look like in the last days for you who are awake, who are children of the day, your children of the life. We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Okay. Somebody being unruly in the Ecclesia, warn them, warn them. What are you going to warn the unruly? Well, stop being unruly because you're going to, number one, you're in trouble with God number 2 you're messing with the ecclesia and you're 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 hurting yourself and you're you're going to hurt people around you so we're going to warn you to stop being unruly because if you maintain an unruly conduct you're gone And you can go out there and go find somewhere else to be unruly and you'll have to deal with whatever consequences come to your unruliness but you're not going to be unruly in this ecclesia and everybody should warn the unruly Everybody. So because this is Paul's instruction to the church at Thessalonica, warn the unwarn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. There are feeble-minded Christians on the on the earth. I used to think, man, I was one of the most feeble-minded people, really. But I you know, you you try to get behind this. Let's do something while we're having fun with this today. Um Let's look up the word "feeble-minded." Probably doesn't mean exactly what we think, but I think it just means weak-minded. Feeble-minded. Let's see if we have it here. So a feeble-minded. Oops. Well, wait a second now. Let's see. Warn. Okay. So to comfort the feeble-minded. All right. So what I have to do is it's all one word. Is what they do. It's always something, right? All right. Feeble-minded. There it is. Okay. And that word feeble-minded is the Alec Koposkos. So what's it? Faint-hearted is what it basically means. Uh, Little-spirited. Um, you know, I like that. Little-spirited doesn't mean in size. It means um, maybe just weak in spirit, not strong in spirit. Uh, there's just some that haven't had enough spiritual uh, life. Uh, in them. And they're just kind of weak in faith, weak in the spirit, uh, whatever that may be. So let's continue on here just a little bit more. And uh, all right. So comfort the, the weak spirited, comfort them, support the weak, kind of the same idea here, support the weak. So those who are weak in spirit those who are strong in spirit, it says in Galatians chapter 6, you who are more spiritual, you know, uh, well, let's just read what it says real quick. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Um, so again, this is fulfilling the law of Christ. But I know this isn't the... Um, overwhelming end time stuff and all the news that's going on, but this is how you're going to live through these times. These are biblical instructions for your victory, okay, for the victory of the saints. So um, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. Be patient toward all. Be patient toward all. Undergo every trial with every person in your ecclesia. Support those who are weak-spirited through constant encouragement and comfort, those who are feeble. Be patient towards everyone. And in the ecclesia of God, in other words, give people place and space to grow and to get stronger, because that's what's going to happen. They're going to get stronger. And they're going to grow. See that none render evil for evil unto any person, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. All right, so if somebody does you evil, whether in the ecclesia, and you, would, you wouldn't think that people would do evil to people in the ecclesia, But guess what? It happens. It happens, whether intended or not. Um, But whether it's in the ecclesia or in the world, what does it say? Do not render evil for evil. But follow that which is good, even when evil is done. How do we overcome evil? With good. Book of Romans, chapter 12 or 13, overcome evil with good. So ever follow that which is good, always do what's good, even if evil's done to you, both among yourselves and to all men. Now, here are the final instructions of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which I think are absolutely brilliant. And again, what I'm wanting to do here today, <clears throat> because we know what's coming, because we're not in the darkness, we're not asleep, we're not drunk. We know what's at the door. <clears throat> so we're giving instructions, biblical instructions, on how to win, how to endure, how to go through. So verse 16, you ready for this? Now, these are tough. These are tough instructions, but here they are. Rejoice evermore. Oh, man, is that hard. <laughs> to rejoice evermore. Let me, let me get this now. You want me to rejoice. You want me to ever follow what is good. You want me to be equipped with faith, hope, and love. Now you're asking me to rejoice? So you want me to be a comforter to the weak. You want me to be an encourager to those that need to be inspired, to edify. You want me to have faith, you know, and you want me to have hope, and you want me to have love, and you want me to be patient with all men. You don't want me to render evil uh, for evil, we want me to do good even when evil happens, now you want me to rejoice evermore? That's so hard as a human being. That is so hard. Ah, but Paul is not talking to mere human beings. He's talking to Christians, those who have been born again and have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Paul is talking to those who have put their flesh to death, right? Picked up their cross, denied themselves, and are now walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but it's still hard, isn't it? I mean, really, isn't it? But look what he's asking us to do. It's so amazing. Rejoice forever. Do you know what would happen to your physical body if you counted it all joy? If you just kept rejoicing, 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 in real rejoicing, you may have to practice it at first because sometimes you know, joy comes in the morning, right? We're just rejoicing, 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 becoming joyful in your spirit, rejoicing, counting it all good. Everything works together for good. I'm going to rejoice in it all. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There's something of a spiritual power that happens with spiritual rejoicing. I know people that are getting too intense. I know people that are, they don't even know it themselves yet. I'm going to have to talk to a few people. They're getting so intense, they're not rejoicing. They're not full of joy, spiritual joy. They're getting so intense, they're losing their laughter. They're losing their rejoicing. They're really not able to comfort others and encourage others, and they're really not being patient with all men. They're getting out there and making sure that they're first in their conversation and, you know, their narrative is telling you, you got to be careful right now. you got to be careful about your conduct because if your conduct doesn't complement the community of believers that you belong to and you get all intense, it, it, you know, it's going to be hard for everybody else. So everybody else is going to have to go and warn against this at, this kind of activity. So, But I'm telling you, this is a tough thing to do. But God said to do it. Jesus said to do it. Paul said to do it. Rejoice evermore. And here's another one. Pray without ceasing. Wow. Do you know how calm, calm you will be when you walk in these instructions? I mean, if you would and I would learn to be more patient with everybody, it'll save our lives. I know this. If we don't render evil for evil, but we follow what is good. It will save our lives. It will save us. Because if we go, we render evil for evil, we might get killed. If we walk in faith, hope, and love and look for the well-being of everybody else around us. When I'm around somebody, I do not want to create an atmosphere that's going to make their lives uncomfortable. Unless, of course, it's the word of God that's bringing conviction to an area that needs to be convicted, whether it's myself or somebody else.
1: Uh, We all
0: need that at times. I I come home and I have the best friend in the whole world in my life, my wife, Patricia Joy, and she has never ceased to speak the truth in love to me. And uh, sometimes it creates atmospheres that aren't so happy, but when they're honest and true, like 99.999% of the time they are, they've always produced a growth and a development in life so you i'm just trying to present an atmosphere a rejoicing heart um ever following what's good being patient comforting edifying rejoicing now listen to this now pray without ceasing biblical instructions pray without ceasing what does that mean it means talk to god about everything, all the time, no matter where you are. Whatever your hobbies are, whatever your work is, when you're shopping, in the car, talking with people, talk to God all the time. And if it can't be just verbal, it's in thought. And if it's not thought, verbal, pray in tongues, pray without ceasing. There's enough to pray about right now. Pray for your loved ones that are unsaved, Pray for those that are sick, that you know. Pray for your family. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your children. Pray for your parents. Pray for Holy Spirit navigation. Pray for unsaved coworkers, friends. Pray for God to open you up, direct you, guide you. Pray for everything, anything Talk to God about everything. Don't leave him out of anything. In everything, here's another tough one, but you got to do it. In everything, give thanks. I want to ask you a question. What do you think is more powerful? What do you think is more edifying to give thanks to God for everything? In everything gives thanks, or complain and murmur about everything. What do you think's more beneficial to your soulical life, the condition of your mind? What do you think's more powerful? Well, you know, and I know, that if we would learn to follow these instructions, and again, I, I want to keep going over until we really get it. We are the children of the day. We are the children of the light. We are sober. We are watching. We are walking in faith and hope and love. We are comforting the saints of God. We are encouraging the saints of God. We are being more patient towards all men. We're not rendering evil for evil, but we're following what is good. Um, we, are, we are rejoicing. We're rejoicing, having a good time, going about got life. We're praying without ceasing whatever we're doing. In everything, we're giving thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So many people want to know what the will of God is, and they're giving, oh, what's the will? I want to walk in the perfect will of God, the perfect will. Here it is. So we will learn it out here. In everything, give thanks. So all the instructions that you just heard, and there's a few more that are more powerful, but all the instructions you just have heard is the will of God for your life. Walk in faith. Walk in hope. Walk in love. Be sober. Watch. Because you're in the time of the day of the Lord that's coming like a thief, but not on you. Comfort the weak. Support those who are feeble. Be patient. Rejoice. Pray. In Everything give thanks. Now, you may say, well, that's not who I am. Well, that's who you need to become. None of us started out that way. We're all a bunch of babies complaining, murmuring, whining. Well, if this, and well, if that. Well, I don't know what to do. So you've got things you don't know what to do. You're you're asking for big questions. What do I do? What's the will of God in this? Start here. Give. Start thanking God right now. Just start thanking God. Thank God. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Thank him for everything in your life. Thank him for everything in your life right now. Rejoice. <laughs> you may as well thank God with rejoicing. Look forward to the future. Whatever crises you may be in right now, it's not going to last forever. You're not going to be in that stuff forever. You're coming out of that sickness, don't you know? You're coming out of that trouble, don't you know? You're coming out of that warfare that may be going on in your mind because of the witchcraft that's warred against you because you're a true saint of God, the satanic warfare. But you're not going to be in it forever. Look to the future. Look to the end of it. Hey, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this conflict. I'm going to get through this trouble. I'm going to get through this psychological issue. I'm going to get through this warfare. I'm going to get through this trouble. I'm getting through it. I'm just going to go through. While I'm going through, I'm going to rejoice. While I'm going to go through, I'm going to give thanks to God. Because I know God is with me and God is going to bring me out. This is what Paul's saying. And he said, this is the will of God. In verse 19, he said, quench not the spirit. You know, you don't want to quench the spirit in your own heart at all. If anybody has ever known what it's like to quench the spirit to the degree you feel the absence of his presence, it's not good. Ooh, dear God in heaven, no. But also don't quench the spirit in your relationships in the ecclesia. See, in the ecclesia of God, when people fellowship together in community... There's this life-giving spirit behind it when it's really God. I like the way the Apostle Paul put it in Ephesians, excuse me, chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, he said this. He said, speaking the truth in love, well, yeah, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body Fitly joined. This is talking about body ministry. The whole body fitly joined and compacted by that which every joint supplies. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. In other words, in community uh, Christian living, the body is an organic flow. It's not rules and regulations as much as an organic uh, love of God or organic ministry, where the outflow of the ecclesia is moving through every part, edifying every part, fulfilling every part. Every Whenever there's lack, the body flows in it lifts up that one out of lack. This is the word of God. So he's saying, don't quench the spirit. You get into conflict, bitterness, false thinking about one another. Let me tell you something. Most of the false imaginations and suspicions that people have are wrong. It took me a long time to figure that out. And when we finally get it, that a lot of our thinking is just simply false, and it needs to be sanctified and go through the sieve of sanctification, taking every thought captive. You can't believe your mind. You can't believe your thoughts. You have to come to a place of knowing when the Holy Spirit's giving you discernment about something. But just simple suspicion, in a time when you're alone with your own thoughts, man, they're not real most of the time. So don't question the Spirit. And also, in your, in your corporate ministry, this is all corporate instruction, despise not prophesying. Let people speak. Let people say what they need to say by the Spirit. Prophesying is, is speaking as the oracles of God. Prophesying is foretelling. Prophesying is a biblical, godly narrative. Prophesying is something in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul wished everybody would prophesy. And he said, everybody should prophesy. Speak the words of God in the the house. Stop talking all the time about nonsense of earthly things that are temporary anyways. And talk about God in everything. Let the conversation of the Ecclesia be that of God. Let's talk about Jesus. Uh, Let's talk about what I learned this morning in Bible study. Let's talk about what I learned in in, in reading the Bible or, you know, as I was praying, God showed me something. So despise not prophesying. And then, of course, here's a good one. Prove all things. Mm -hmm. So test everything prove everything. That's just being diligent, because you don't want anything to get into you that's not really true, because it could be a seed of doubt. It could be a seed, and a seed of doubt will produce a harvest of doubt. So you don't want anything that's not faith. You don't want any anything being put into you that will create fear. People have a tendency to speak fear, and they they. Plant seeds of fear. We attempt to bring the word of God that is a very awesome word of God, but not to put fear in people. We're speaking the truth in love, showing the fearful things that are coming, hoping that the people are getting it right now so that they're getting beyond the fear and they're becoming stronger in faith and are more prepared to say, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. If there's something good in your life, hold fast to it. If there's something good in your life, don't hold it loosely. Hold fast to what is good there's something good that you're going to do, hold fast to it. If something is good for you, just hold fast to what's good. Biblical instruction. Verse 22. This one is huge. And it's so seldom talked about. Abstain from all appearance of evil. abstain from all appearance of evil. When I was a young man, I was unmarried. I was in my 20s. I went to a Bible study. I was just making my way back to the Lord. After a Bible study, there was a young lady that came to the Bible study. She was a blonde-haired woman. She was driving a red sports car. And she invited me out for dinner after Bible study that night. I said, sure. I went out and stayed up until 2 o'clock in the morning at a restaurant in La Jolla, talking about God, talking about Jesus, talking about all these things. I got a call the next day from my pastor. And um, he said, where were you last night? I said, well, I was out with so-and-so, and we, were, we had a great time talking about Jesus and God. And I don't, know how, I don't know how he said it. I don't know how to express, but when he said, don't you ever be alone with another woman, he didn't yell. He didn't have that kind of force like that I just had. He just said it in such a way, it went past my brain, down my throat, into my heart, into my belly, and exploded. It put the fear of God in me. What he was saying, it took me a while to to interpret, what he was saying is there's going to come times in your life the devil is going to do everything in his power to set you up. Don't you Ever put yourself in a position where they'll have anything to say against you or that will trip you up and you'll fall. To this very day when I see a brother alone with another woman, I get the chills. I mean, it goes... And I want to say, no, what are you guys doing? Stop putting your... See, what happens, soul ties form. When you're alone with people. One of my very dear friends, I will not mention his name, but he's all over the world. He used to come to our church, and man, he was, he was heavy into the grace thing. And I used to have to balance him out, but he was the big world guy, and he was out there. And uh, he called me a few years ago, and he said, I just want to let you know, I have been divorced And I'm not married to my wife. And I knew he and his wife very well. He says, we're not married anymore. I committed adultery. He says, but God is good. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I had this woman. She was a confidant to me. And I was having marital struggles. And so I would go to her and I would talk to her about my marriage troubles. And I wound up having sexual intercourse with her. Divorced my wife and married her. And I just wanted you to know, so when you hear about it, you're not going to get all weird out. Well, of course, what it did was broke my heart. That's why I tell you, when you're alone with people and you're talking with them about especially your spouse, the only one you should ever talk to about your spouse, your marriage, is God, Jesus, and then your pastor. Plural. See, Patricia and I are one pastor. We're not two pastors. I'm not the pastor and she's the pastor's wife. No. We are one pastor. So when you have a marriage problem, you need to go to your pastor if you've gone to God and you're not getting clear answers. You don't ever get alone with someone of the opposite sex. And you may say, that's a little bit overboard, legalistic, and rigid. Yes, but it's safe. What did the Bible say? Abstain from all appearance of evil. And you try to tell people these things. Demons are clever. Flesh is desirous, and soul ties do form. You can spend years trying to break soul ties. So, again, these are biblical instructions on how you're going to live through the end times. You're thinking, well, I was more concerned about getting shot and not having food and not having water and, you know, uh, not you know, I, I've been preparing. Well, you better prepare for this first, right? I mean, it's just important stuff. It's how you're going to survive. You can have all the food in the world and be in an ecclesia where the spirit has been quenched, and it will become a nightmare faster than you know. People will be doing things like only... You could imagine, you'll be down in uh, Jonestown with uh, the guy, you know, drinking Kool-Aid with everybody. You all have your resources and you got away from everything, but now you're drinking Kool-Aid because you're under a spell, for goodness sake. Or you'll be shaving your head and uh, putting on your robes and sleeping with your Nike tennis shoes on. I'm telling you, these things are more important than all that food and water in the world will ever be in the first place. Abstain from all appearance of, uh, uh, of evil. If you think it's going to cause your brother or sister to stumble, you don't do it. You don't do it. If you think getting on the Internet and, and, and going through some sites is, is going to be, you, uh, you avoid every appearance of evil. Don't go there. Now, this is all body ministry, 23. And here's what he says. Here's the blessing of following the biblical instructions of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The very God of peace. The very God of peace. If we do, if we live in this environment, if we cultivate, if we create this environment, the God of peace will sanctify you wholly. W-H-O, that means your entire What? What is he going to sanctify? The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. You laid out a beautiful template. You say, well, we're not there yet. Okay, well, let's keep striving to get there. Let's keep striving to get there. God help us because I know that if we strive in this direction, if all of us do this, that the God of peace will be in our midst. And I need to tell you, if the God of peace is in our midst, I don't care what devil comes against that ecclesia. God says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Romans chapter 16, I believe it is. The God of peace in the midst of his people will defend them in ways that you can't imagine. So we don't need anxiety in our midst, worry, tension, anx- you know, is we just don't need that fear offense, guilt, shame, condemnation, because people are walking in sin. That's not the environment. We want to cultivate an environment where the God of peace is there. And then what happens when the God of peace is there, Paul prays that our whole being, each one of us, spirit, soul, body, will be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I don't see a better outline anywhere in Scripture of how an ecclesia could live. Imagine this now. Rejoicing, harmony, peace, love, faith, moving mountains, miracles. Peace, food, water, shelter, ammunition, whatever you will thrive and you will prosper in the refuge of God under these conditions. And it's not just the local ecclesia. If every ecclesia in a city was doing this and then they brought that into the region Now, faithful is he that calls you, who also will do it. God will do his part if we will do our part. And then he said, brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Are you holy brethren today? I believe you are, and God told me to read this to you, and I have been so blessed by doing it, and I hope you have been, too. Oops. I cannot take that call yet. So that is it for my sermon today. That's it. That's, I wanted to encourage you with that today. Uh, you may have some comments, questions. Um, Oh, by the way, okay, so we have some information here uh, for those of you that were tuned in all along. Uh, Shirley said she just now found the broadcast this morning, didn't show up on my Facebook. Praise God for this ministry. Thank you, Shirley. Uh, Kevin, good morning to all out there listening. There is a sun flare hitting the earth today, and it can and has caused interruption in this message and phone service today. Thank you for your patience. Jody, Trump said he is running for 2024. It's a trap, maybe. Maybe. Uh, David Ellison is with us as well. All right, so I'm going to put some information out there for you uh, of where we've been today. um, You're going to want to get this down, okay? You're going to want to get this information down. It's on the screen. I've had it on the screen all morning. Write this down, please, because we may be going off Facebook and we may be going off YouTube. No more video. We're going to go strictly audio. Uh, That's a very heavy thought. There's no reason to be with lights, cameras, actions. Uh, The message is going to go forth. One of the ways, there are going to be two ways you're going to be able to do this. One of the ways you're going to be able to find us audio is by going to www.blogtalkradio.com. Blog Talk Radio. There it is on the screen. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Xman777. Please write that down. You're going to want it because that's where we're going to be broadcasting live. BlogTalkRadio.com Also, and again, that's a forward slash Xman777. Also, you'll be able to hear us at www.omegaradio.org. OmegaRadio.org. All right. And I have some more news I may be sharing with you tomorrow, but um, I'm pretty sure we're going to finish out this week with the YouTube and with um, Facebook. Uh, YouTube will be broadcasting under Omega Radio as long as we do. But I do sense that we're going to be limiting the – um, the video uh, feed on this ministry and just go to the audio. So there you have it, www.omegaradio.org. And then, of course, blogtalkradio.com forward slash X-Man 777. We will always um, give a, uh, a number for prayer, which we always do. And there it is, 479- Two three 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 seven seven four. If you did not hear the broadcast today, I would say to you, it was the most important broadcast I've ever ministered in my life. You need to go back and find a way to listen to it. One of the ways you can do that is by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash xman seven seven seven. Go to the episodes page. Every message we've ever done. We have thousands of messages there, but uh, today's message will be there. Um, I don't know what happened with YouTube under Omega Radio. It may or may not be there. Facebook, it may or may not be there. I don't know, but we've been broadcasting live. Maybe others didn't get it, so you could check it out there. The most important message I've ever ministered over these airwaves just happened this morning. If you get it, and you understand it, and you embrace it, it is the victory that you're looking for. I want to thank you for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful day.